connected as we walk through Psalm 26 together. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord. In whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. My foot stands on level ground. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son willingly endured the evil of sin and death at the cross for our redemption. Grant to us the goodness of our Savior, so that we are not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found in Jeremiah, chapters 15, verses 15 through 21. O Lord, you know... Remember me and visit me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone, because your hand was upon me. For you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today is found in Philippians Chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This will also be the text for our sermon today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, 
all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless, blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. And from Matthew's Gospel in the 16th chapter. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do and continue to do by your Spirit as you gather us together into your presence to walk through life together and to be present uh, in your house, to receive your word and receive your gifts. We pray you move by your Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we rest in the promises you have given us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Letters are really quite beautiful things. I mean, really, when was the last time that you received a letter? I mean, something where someone actually took the time to get the piece of paper from wherever it was that they got the piece of paper. I mean, maybe they had to check and see if the printer had paper first or a notebook out of a closet somewhere and then find a pen that works and be able to work with that pen and make sure it has enough ink and then take the time and set aside the amount of time necessary to put all of the thoughts in order to be able to bring their heart and mind and words onto a piece of paper for you to enjoy. When was the last time you did that for someone else? I mean, think, think through what that takes. 
I mean, to be able to work through the words and intentionally write them down and have your thoughts in order and then worry about whether or not the words are spelled right or not or whether or not that matters. And and you've also, I'm sure, received those letters or sent those letters where the words or letters or parts are kind of smudged with the palm of your hand. Maybe a tear dropped onto the piece of paper as that emotion literally flows out of you and lands on the paper, whether it's in word or tears or whatever the case may be. You see, letters are something that we just really don't often write enough anymore or receive enough anymore. More often than not, we're able to share our thoughts in almost immediacy. You have a thought in your mind and the moments it takes to text, you can send that off without even a second well, thought. I mean, to be able to share things so quickly and so immediately, and even by email, and we can get thoughts into somebody's hands pretty quickly. And I think one of the dangers about getting thoughts into people's hands so quickly is that we expect a response almost just as quickly as though we're in a conversation with someone right in front of us. But see, a letter, a letter, you know, takes time. Emails don't carry those tears or smudges or or really even the personability of your own handwriting. So much that's conveyed in a letter. And that's what we're going to be walking through these next eight weeks is a letter, a letter from Paul to a church in Philippi, the church that he had actually been part of starting almost a decade earlier. And so as we walk through this letter and as we walk through these next eight weeks through September and October, we will continue to hear of Paul's words in his letter to the church at Philippi and also know of God's word in that letter for us. And as we hear these words, and as you hear these words, I want you to know that Pastor Bob and I have both been praying through this text as we read it and praying for you through this text to see the joy that is brought into our hearts on account of you as we hear the joy that's brought into the Apostle Paul's heart as the church at Philippi in their life in Christ would bring him joy. I mean, you hear those words flow from his heart and his mind as he writes to them. I thank God for you in every moment because of the work that Christ done is doing in you and the work that he has began in you, he will bring to completion. But the work that is done by the church at Philippi brings him joy. As you do to me, to Pastor Bob, and in the years past, to Pastor Joel, and Pastor Vogelzang, and Pastor Meyer, and to all of those who have been present with you. So, where is the church of Philippi? First off, let's deal with this for just a second, and where is Paul when he's writing it? So, we've got this church that uh, Paul and Silvanus and a couple of others were traveling on a missionary journey, and as they went into the region of Macedonia, they stepped into uh, this town of Philippi, and they stayed there a couple of days, and then on the Sabbath, they went down to the river where they supposed there would be a place of prayer because there was no synagogue in Philippi. So it's a Gentile town 
kind of in the Greece area, Asian, Asia Minor area, right? East of Europe, west of Asia, in that space where Paul really hadn't been before. He had seen a vision from God that took him there. So as they were there by the water, there were some women gathered together. One of them's name was Lydia. And Lydia then heard these words with a heart changed by God to be able to receive these words of Paul as they were preaching about Jesus and then was baptized. Her and her whole household and then said, would you all come over to the house? If you trust me to be one of faith, would you then come? Gather together at my place. Let me care for you for a while. That was the beginning of the church at Philippi. You can read about it in Acts 16. Now, just a day or two after that, Paul ended up in a prison in Philippi, and then we have that account as well with Paul and uh, Silas and the Philippian jailer when an earthquake came through and the bars were crashed down and the walls were crumbled and then the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself and Paul said, no, stop, we're still here. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> it's what you got to do, I guess, when you're sitting there in the middle of prison. And so that's the beginning of the church. That was at about 50 A.D. Well, the letter that we just heard from is from about 60 A.D., while Paul is sitting in a different prison in Rome. Ten years had gone by. Ten years of life in the church. You all know what that looks like. Here in San Marcos, we've been together about 12 years, just about 11 to 12 years. And then the church all together for Community Lutheran, a little over 30 years. So here's Paul after 10 years of this fledgling start by the river now rejoicing over the work that God has done through these people. And he writes to them to let them know. And the greeting in this letter is so beautiful and warm. It's not like the greeting to the Galatians where he says, Oh foolish Galatians, or even to the Corinthians where he talks about how quickly they've fallen away from the gospel to listen to false teachers and how there's so much disunity within them. No. He says, I remember God and give him, I remember you and all my prayers and thanksgivings and I give thanks to God for you, for the peace and grace that he has given. May God's peace and grace be to you and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know if you caught it, but in the first two verses of what we heard, Paul mentions Christ's name three times. In fact, over the 11 verses, it's six times. He continually points back to the work that Jesus has done in the midst of the group for them. And I start to wonder what that letter looked like. See, we don't have all of his letters. Maybe he wrote more letters over those 10 years, but we do have this letter, and this particular letter is glowing. But I, I wonder, how tattered was that piece of parchment by the time it made it to the church at Philippi? How much ink was smudged? How many tears had fallen? How bright was the smile on Paul's face as he wrote it, sitting in a Roman prison, looking at a possible execution coming up? You see, this heart, Paul, just overflows in this letter. This joy-filled heart 
that fills every one of his prayers with joy because of what the people at Philippi were doing. And what were they doing? Well, we'll hear more about that as the letter goes on. And I know not all of it was sunshine and roses, but you all know that life in the church isn't always sunshine and roses either. There's disunity that comes up that needs to be spoken into. There's times at which we don't care for one another the way we should. And that needs to be spoken into. Times at which we don't really act like God's people as much as we should. Yet even in all of that, God continues to work in you. God continues to work through you for the people around you. You see, as Paul wrote that letter from prison, you can imagine how long the folks in Philippi had been waiting for that letter. This formative letter. Formative letter like so many other letters written from prison. I mean, as you think back on receiving letters and waiting for people to write letters, there's quite a few actually in history that have had some impact on the world. I think of Nelson Mandela wrote his autobiography and his time in prison. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, over the couple of years that he was in prison, wrote many letters and writings that looked at uh, Christian ethics as well as life in the church together. Hitler wrote Mein Kampf in prison, not that that was a good or beautiful thing, but it was certainly something that was thought-provoking for him and as he had the opportunity to focus on that and share those thoughts. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote writings from the Birmingham jail. And there's so many different things that were written from prison. I know I've received letters and read letters from folks who I didn't know initially but then became friends with later as they would pour their hearts out from a place that seemed like it was dark and separated. And you wonder how anybody in those settings can write such hope-filled words. What is it that God gives to them to be able to communicate what he is doing for that person through all the folks who they're connected with. So those beautiful words that get written down to share the faith and show us the hope of somebody who is separated out, holed up in a pen. And maybe you've never quite thought what that feels like, but I think you have a better idea about it than you might think. I mean, it was only three years ago during a pandemic where we were scattered, separated. Because of things going on in the world and trying to navigate new waters and figure things out, there were many, many days and even weeks where we weren't together in the ways that we would want to be, whether that was from family or whether that was from friends or whether that was even being in here to be able to hear that word together, to smile at someone to share our hearts with them and have that conversation in person. So I always wonder, was Paul sitting in that jail cell, what's bringing a smile to his face? Because it's not his current situation, nor would it have been any of the brokenness that's going on in the church. No, no, it was God's work done through the people at that church. As Paul remembered that in their life, he got to see Jesus 
active and transformative as he remembers back on Lydia and the ladies there at the waters, as he remembers back on baptizing her whole household, as he remembers back on sitting in the Philippian jail and seeing God work in real time and space to open up the doors and give him an opportunity to preach Jesus once again, as he thinks on all the things that he's heard from Epaphrodites who was sent to him to care for him and who he is sending back to the church at Philippi, as he continued to hear over the years all the work that God was doing through his people. That's what brings him joy. And that's what brings your pastors joy. Looking back on all the years and being in the middle of it now to see how God cares for you, to see how God works through you to care for one another, and to see your hand sharing peace and grace and mercy on one another. It's beautiful. And it fills Pastor Bob's heart and my heart with joy. And I know it has filled all of your pastor's hearts before us. And to know that even with any one of us gone, God would continue to work. Just as Paul says, I rejoice because of your work in Christ from the day it began until now. And until the day that God brings it to completion in Christ Jesus. So from day one, Paul was excited and joyful about the church and what God was doing through them. And then over the years, just as joyful. And then in that moment, joyful. And then also looking forward, full and complete with joy, knowing that God was going to continue the good work that he had began with them from the beginning until that moment. And until the day that Jesus would come back. I can't imagine what it would be like sitting in the middle of a gathering of people knowing that one of the founders of your church was now being persecuted and arrested and in jail for the exact same faith that you hold. And we're not necessarily there yet in this country, though it happens all over the world. But imagine that day, and it seems like it wouldn't really necessarily have to be too far off from now. But imagine that day if you gathered together here on a Sabbath and waited to hear a word from your pastor, a word from one who had come before to share God's grace and peace with you, to know that they were sitting in a jail cell, arrested for the same faith that you believe, the same God you confess. You can imagine what it would be like to gather together. Might be a little more hidden. Might be a little more private. Might be in someone's home. But to be able to be gathered together waiting for that word. And then when you receive that word, as you long to hear those words shared again of peace and grace in Christ, to be able to devour that whole letter in one sitting and to be able to just look at it intently and then come back again the next week or sometime in the middle of the week and hear it again to continue to be revived in the Word of God. Ah, oh. I pray that day never comes to where your pastors have to write from prison. And in that day, Paul was even sending others to this church. He was sending Timothy as one young pastor to be able to be present with them. And I pray that you will always have a word preached 
into your ear so you would know of the complete peace and grace that comes in Christ. And please know that in all that you do, ah, to see God at work in you from the beginning until now, and to bring it into completion, into the day when Christ Jesus comes back, to be part of it where I see that going on here and now, oh, that fills our hearts with joy. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you continue to do in Jesus for us as you continue to forgive our sins, as you continue to lead us by your Spirit, as you continue to carry us in your grace and peace on account of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.